Chapter Twenty Three of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Scarlet Pimpernel by Emma Ortsey. Chapter Twenty Three Hope. Faith, madame, said Sir Andrew, seeing that Marguerite seemed desirous to call her surly host back again. I think we'd better leave him alone. We shall not get anything more out of him, and we might arouse his suspicions. One never knows what spies may be lurking around these godforsaken places. What care I, she replied lightly. Now I know that my husband is safe, and that I shall see him almost directly. Hush! He said in genuine alarm for she had talked quite loudly in the fullness of her glee the very walls have ears in france these days he rose quickly from the table and walked around the bare squalid room listening attentively at the door through which brogar had just disappeared and whence only muttered oaths and shuffling footsteps could be heard he also ran up the rickety steps that led to the attic to assure himself that there were no spies of Chauvelin's about the place. Are we alone, monsieur, my lackey? said Marguerite gaily, as the young man once more sat down beside her. May we talk? As cautiously as possible, he entreated. Faith, man, but you wear a glum face. As for me, I could dance with joy. Surely there is no longer any cause for fear. Our boat is on the beach, the foam crest not two miles out at sea, and my husband will be here under this very roof within the next half hour perhaps sure there is naught to hinder us chauvelin and his gang have not yet arrived nay madame that i fear we do not know what do you mean he was at dover at the same time that we were held up by the same storm which kept us from starting exactly but i did not speak of it before for i feared to alarm you i saw him on the beach not five minutes before we embarked at least i swore to myself at the time that it was himself he was disguised as a cure so that satan his own guardian would scarce have known him but i heard him then bargaining for a vessel to take him swiftly to calais he must have set sail less than an hour after we did marguerite's face had quickly lost its look of joy the terrible danger in which Percy stood, now that he was actually on French soil, became suddenly and horribly clear to her. Chauvelin was close upon his heels. Here in Calais, the astute diplomatist was all-powerful. A word from him and Percy could be tracked and arrested, and... Every drop of blood seemed to freeze in her veins. Not even during the moments of her wildest anguish in England had she so completely realized the imminence of the peril in which her husband stood chauvelin had sworn to bring the scarlet pimpernel to the guillotine and now the daring plotter whose anonymity hitherto had been his safeguard stood revealed through her own hand to his most bitter most relentless enemy chauvelin when he waylaid lord tony and sir andrew Foulkes, in the coffee-room of the fisherman's rest had obtained possession of all the plans of this latest expedition armand saint just the comte de tournay and other fugitive royalists were to have met the scarlet pimpernel or rather 
as it had been originally arranged two of his emissaries on this day the second of october at a place evidently known to the league and vaguely alluded to as the pere blanchard's hut armand whose connection with the scarlet pimpernel and disavowal of the brutal policy of the reign of terror was still unknown to his countrymen had left england a little more than a week ago carrying with him the necessary instructions which would enable him to meet the other fugitives and to convey them to this place of safety this much marguerite had fully understood from the first and sir andrew folks had confirmed her surmises she knew too that when sir percy realized that his own plans and his directions to his lieutenants had been stolen by chauvelin it was too late to communicate with armand or to send fresh instructions to the fugitives they would of necessity be at the appointed time and place not knowing how grave was the danger which now awaited their brave rescuer blakeney who as usual had planned and organized the whole expedition would not allow any of his younger comrades to run the risk of almost certain capture hence his hurried note to them at lord grenville's ball start myself to-morrow alone and now with his identity known to his most bitter enemy his every step would be dogged the moment he set foot in france he would be tracked by chauvelin's emissaries followed until he reached that mysterious hut where the fugitives were waiting for him and there the trap would be closed on him and on them there was but one hour the hour's start which marguerite and sir andrew had of their enemy in which to warn percy of the imminence of his danger and to persuade him to give up the foolhardy expedition which could only end in his death but there was that one hour chauvelin knows of this inn from the papers he stole said sir andrew earnestly and on landing we'll make straight for it he has not landed yet she said we have an hour's start on him and percy will be here directly we shall be mid-channel ere chauvelin has realized that we have slipped through his fingers she spoke excitedly and eagerly wishing to infuse into her young friend some of that buoyant hope which still clung to her heart but he shook his head sadly silent again sir andrew she said with some impatience why do you shake your head and look so glum faith madame he replied tis only because in making your rose-coloured plans you are forgetting the most important factor what in the world do you mean i am forgetting nothing what factor do you mean she added with more impatience it stands six foot odd high replied sir andrew quietly and hath the name percy blakeney i don't understand she murmured do you think that blakeney would leave calais without having accomplished what he set out to do you mean there's the old comte de tournay the comte she murmured and saint just and others my brother she said with a heartbroken sob of anguish heaven help me but i fear i had forgotten fugitives as they are these men at this moment await with perfect confidence and unshaken faith the arrival of the scarlet pimpernel who has pledged his honour to take them safely across the channel indeed she had forgotten with the sublime selfishness of a woman who loves with her whole heart she had in the last twenty-four hours had no thought save for him his precious noble life his danger he the loved one the brave hero he alone dwelt in her mind my brother 
she murmured as one by one the heavy tears gathered in her eyes as memory came back to her of armand the companion and darling of her childhood the man for whom she had committed the deadly sin which had so hopelessly imperiled her brave husband's life sir percy blakeney would not be the trusted honoured leader of a score of english gentlemen said sir andrew proudly if he abandoned those who placed their trust in him as for breaking his word the very thought is preposterous there was silence for a moment or two marguerite had buried her face in her hands and was letting the tears slowly trickle through her trembling fingers the young man said nothing his heart ached for this beautiful woman in her awful grief all along he had felt the terrible impasse in which her own rash act had plunged them all he knew his friend and leader so well with his reckless daring his mad bravery his worship of his own word of honor sir andrew knew that blakeney would brave any danger run the wildest risks sooner than break it and with chauvelin at his heels would make a final attempt however desperate to rescue those who trusted in him faith sir andrew said marguerite at last making brave efforts to dry her tears you are right and i would not now shame myself by trying to dissuade him from doing his duty as you say i should plead in vain god grant him strength and ability she added fervently and resolutely to outwit his pursuers he will not refuse to take you with him perhaps when he starts on his noble work between you you will have cunning as well as valour god guard you both in the meanwhile i think we should lose no time i still believe that his safety depends upon his knowing that chauvelin is on his track undoubtedly he has wonderful resources at his command as soon as he is aware of his danger he will exercise more caution his ingenuity is a veritable miracle then what say you to a voyage of reconnaissance in the village whilst i wait here against his coming you might come across percy's track and thus save valuable time if you find him tell him to beware his bitterest enemy is on his heels but this is such a villainous hole for you to wait in nay that i do not mind but you might ask our surly host if he could let me wait in another room where i could be safer from the prying eyes of any chance traveller offer him some ready money so that he should not fail to give me word the moment the tall englishman returns she spoke quite calmly even cheerfully now thinking out her plans ready for the worst if need be she would show no more weakness she would prove herself worthy of him who was about to give his life for the sake of his fellow men sir andrew obeyed her without further comment instinctively he felt that hers was now the stronger mind he was willing to give himself over to her guidance to become the hand while she was the directing hand he went to the door of the inner room through which brogar and his wife had disappeared before and knocked as usual he was answered by a salvo of muttered oaths hey friend brogard said the man peremptorily my lady friend would wish to rest here a while could you give her the use of another room she would wish to be alone he took some money out of his pocket and allowed it to jingle significantly in his hand brogard had opened the door and listened with his usual surly apathy to the young man's request at the sight of the gold however his lady attitude relaxed slightly he took his pipe from his mouth and shuffled into the room 
Then he pointed over his shoulder at the attic up in the wall She can wait up there he said with a grunt. It's comfortable and I have no other room Nothing could be better said Marguerite in English She at once realized the advantages of such a position hidden from view would give her Give him the money sir Andrew I shall be quite happy up there and can see everything without being seen she nodded to Brogard, who condescended to go up to the attic and to shake up the straw that lay on the floor. "'May I entreat you, madam, to do nothing rash?' said Sir Andrew, as Marguerite prepared in her turn to ascend the rickety flight of steps. "'Remember this place is infested with spies. Do not, I beg of you, reveal yourself to Sir Percy, unless you are absolutely certain that you are alone with him.' Even as he spoke, he felt how unnecessary was this caution. Marguerite was as calm as clear-headed as any man There was no fear of her doing anything that was rash Nay she said with a slight attempt at cheerfulness This I can faithfully promise you I would not jeopardize my husband's life nor yet his plans by speaking to him before strangers Have no fear. I will watch my opportunity and serve him in the manner. I think he needs it most Brogard had come down the steps again and Marguerite was ready to go up to her safe retreat I Dare not kiss your hand madam said sir Andrew as she began to mount the steps since I am your lackey But I pray you to be of good cheer if I do not come across Blakeney in half an hour I shall return expecting to find him here Yes, that will be best we can afford to wait for half an hour Chauvelin cannot possibly be here before that God grant that either you or I may have seen Percy by then. Good luck to you, friend. Have no fear for me. Lightly she mounted the rickety wooden steps that led to the attic. Brogard was taking no further heed of her. She could make herself comfortable there or not as she chose. Sir Andrew watched her until she had reached the curtains across, and the young man noted that she was singularly well placed there for seeing and hearing, whilst remaining unobserved. He had paid Brogard well. The surly old innkeeper would have no object in betraying her. Then Sir Andrew prepared to go. At the door he turned once again and looked up at the loft. Through the ragged curtains Marguerite's sweet face was peeping down at him, and the young man rejoiced to see that it looked serene and even gently smiling. With a final nod of farewell to her, he walked out into the night. End of chapter 23